Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I'm Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 15. Now, I'm sure our regular listeners will know that Mark usually does this intro spiel. But today, Mark's going to be in, in the interview chair as we talk about the origin story for how Mark became a hiker, which is his adventures in Costa Rica. So the rights to this have already been sold to Marvel. So there's a film coming out in like 2022. So stay tuned for that. We get the the before kind of preview to that and how I got into hiking. So as obviously we've talked about it quite a bit. Well, actually not really quite a bit. We've talked about it before, but kind of getting a full half an hour to an hour version, depending on how talkative I want to be today. <laughs> so this is a phase four of the Marvel Universe story, is it? Yes, I'm not sure how they're going to tie it in with everything. Um, I don't remember getting all the Infinity Stones, so I I have no idea. That's for their creative department to sort out. Excellent. Well, they've got a few years, and um, hopefully this podcast will provide them the inspiration that they need. Yeah, I don't think it's going to sell many tickets. (laughs) We'll see how we go. (laughs) Okay, so let's set the scene. Take us back to 2008. Tell us about a young Mark Pybus, um, a, a quite a buff young Mark Pybus based on the photos I saw of you on this particular trip. Tell us a, a bit about, you know, about where you were at in terms of your life and what made you decide to go and do this. Yeah, so 2008, I was 22, young single man living out of home, um, work, I'd kind of started my air quote career and I was just looking for something to do and yeah, as I've said before, sitting in the office, I just kind of Googled adventure holidays. And as it happened, World Expeditions came up as one of the options. And I was having a look around the website and I thought, oh, yeah, Costa Rica, that doesn't look too bad without actually knowing anything about the country. So I kind of, as I do, hastily book and get kind of something into my head that I really want to do that. And then I'm kind of single minded from there. I actually booked this trip and the flights before I'd uh, officially booked the leave, which my manager was not happy about. (laughs) (laughs) So just a question on on that. So was it just, were there any other places that were possible options or was it just always just Costa Rica? You saw it and you were like, that's the one. Yeah, so I kind of looked around and I thought Africa would be nice. I always wanted to go on safari, but I thought like I want to do a bit more than just sit around and watch stuff. Yeah, and then a couple of the other South America trips look promising, like Angel Falls. Uh, talked about it in episode thirteen. Um, that was one of them. But again, I wanted something a bit longer and a bit more challenging. And the Costa Rica trip was eighteen days. It was graded quite high, um, but I'll get to the actual physicality of it later. And it was like it was on budget as well. It was one of the not cheaper ones, but it was within what I could afford. Um, for the time period that I was away. Yes, I think certainly in your early 20s, you've got to be pr- probably a bit more... Um, that's one of those deciding factors, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't paying a whole lot of rent because I was... I mean, even though I was staying in North Frey, I was staying at a friend's um, parents' investment property with two other people. So, like, money wasn't a big issue for me. It was just like, can I realistically afford this without going into too much debt which I didn't end up in the end it was you know a grand or something on the credit card when I got back which when you're in your early 20s is pretty small price to pay yeah exactly I think it's always worth uh, travel's always worthwhile Mm. now leading up to this particular trip 
did you have to do a, a lot of training? Because you said it was on the, on the harder end, wasn't it? Yeah, so I'd built this up as like, this was like a trek through the jungle. It was, you know, stuff you see on National Geographic. It was going to be hard. It was going to be challenging. And the trip notes made it sound pretty challenging as well. So I trained quite significantly for that time. So I was going to the gym maybe three, four times a week. And then when I could, I would get out on the weekends and go hiking between Kalamunda and Mundaring, which is kind of where I fell in love with hiking. It was just a really nice section. It's quite hilly through there. So I thought I was well prepared. And yeah, like it was just a nice place to train. Um, and I really enjoyed, you know, seeing the Aussie bush and then going back to Frio and you've got the beach and everything. But in terms of like hiking, that's really the only area I stuck to. Um, and as everyone knows, a bit later on, I've now expanded my range quite significantly. But to start with, that's all I was um, doing. I was just trying to get miles into the legs on the hilliest parts that I could. Yeah. And I know I remember reading your blog back in the, the old, old days, the black and white background blog. Yeah, the black and, I remember and white days. I remember you talking about um, about that area being one of the one of your training areas. That 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 was actually that was your first post, wasn't it? Yeah. So I decided to when I was getting into it again, just recreate that that post or that time of my life. Well, that would have been six years on, maybe. Mm. So it was yeah, quite a gap in between starting to kind of get go hiking and then actually start enjoying it as a full time hobby. Excellent. So it. This this trip not not just was it a great adventure. It was also really the the start of of the life of Pi in a way. Yeah, I mean you could say that it was my first adventure, like outdoors adventure, and it kind of opened my eyes to like the world out there. And you know, there's more than just your own backyard. And yeah, kind of appreciating another country while also getting to know your own country too. So. Now, with this Costa Rica trip, this was with a tour company. Um, who was it with again, sorry? Yeah, it was with World Expeditions, but they kind of outsourced it to a um, company, American company or a Canadian company, I forget which they were, called Coast to Coast Explorers. Um, so, yeah, it was like it was a fully supported trip, which is what you want when you're in your early 20s and having to travel halfway across the world, literally, um, with only a backpack and... Yeah, no real grasp on their Spanish language, which was a big hindrance in, in places. <laughs> I, I imagine that would be quite daunting to travel all that way and not speak the language. So yeah, pro- probably a wise move to go with the uh, the tour. So with this particular tour, how, how long was the itinerary for it? Yeah, so the original itinerary was 18 days, but that kind of included a day either side to like meet everyone and then um, travel back to San Jose, the capital. So it was like it was a full-on trip. It's not like we were out in the bush for every single day, sorry, the jungle. Um, we did stay places overnight every now and then, but there was a stretch in the middle where it was, I think, either 10 to 14-hour days, depending on where we had to go. So it was quite full-on, and, yeah, by the end of it, I was extremely fit and, you know, loving life as well. So obviously Costa Rica is pretty far away from Australia. How did you get there and what was your flight itinerary to get you there? Yeah, so getting there was actually quite an adventure in itself. Um, I had I'd booked my flight, so, so I went Perth to Sydney, Sydney to LA, LA to Mexico City and then Mexico City to San Jose. So it was 
like a lot of connections and like I think it was a month before I was about to leave Qantas sent me an email saying your flights from Perth to Sydney have been delayed by like five hours or something which meant I missed my connecting flight to LA (laughs) so I was just like I emailed them because I was on Qantas from Sydney to LA as well so I was like you can't like expect people to you know miss their flights because you've changed the domestic one so they actually were really good about it and sorted me out with another flight that's good and then yeah so that one I just kind of slept on because I think it was the midnight one and got to Sydney had a few hours and then while I was waiting in the terminal there was a lot of fuss about one particular passenger group getting on and I was kind of near the gate, so I was like looking around, seeing what's going on, and there walks past Snoop Dogg. <laughs> awesome. So we had, he just finished the concert, or tour in Australia, and he was going back to LA. So we had Snoop Dogg, and he would have been in first class, and but we had all of his roadies in economy. Yeah. So it's actually quite a fun flight. Like there's all these, you know, uh, African-American guys are all like, you know, ready to party, and it's a 14-hour flight. And I actually got sat next to a couple of American ladies from, I think it was one of the Carolinas, and boy, did they like to drink. So I shared a few drinks with them, had a good time. Um, yeah, obviously the roadies made it good fun um, when, you know, we, everyone wasn't sleeping. So it was, yeah, a good flight to L.A., but then LA to Mexico City was, the flight was fine, but then when I got to Mexico City, I, for some reason, went out of the terminal, not realizing that where we'd landed was also the departures. So I did like this huge loop around Mexico City Airport, which is like, it's almost like you have to go to the very end before turning back. It's like one big um, rectangle. And I had no idea what was going on, like if I'd make my flight, and I was running through trying to speak to anyone who spoke any English, trying to direct me where I was. I had to go back through immigration, which luckily I got through. And then I ended up where I'd come out, basically. Um, really hot and sweaty and kind of just glad that I'd arrived in the right place. There was my flight that I could see going to San Jose. I guess that's one way to fill the time between flights, right? Yeah, a little bit of extra training as well, running through the airport with my bag. (laughs) And then on the flight to San Jose, um, I actually met a guy from Guatemala and he spoke really good English and he was telling me about his farm and, you know, he travels between Mexico and Guatemala. So I had a a drink with him and he arrived at San Jose at like two in the morning. And the one thing the travel guides always say is don't get in a taxi unless it has the yellow triangle, kind of like the Billman. Oh, yeah. And... I didn't do that because I was meant to be picked up by the backpackers and they just clean forgot to come and pick me up. (laughs) So I got in this taxi, (laughs) this guy came over and picked my bags up and like it was 2am and I was tired and whatnot and he took me to completely the wrong place. Like he spoke English well but he took me to a place which I thought he might get like a commission from if he took me there and I stayed there. It was another backpackers and there was, um, let's just say ladies of the night (laughs) <laughs> crawling around on the street corners and I was right, just like right. no nobody this is not the hostel that I asked you so he he made a call and he found out where the right one was and I rocked up to the correct one and it's like everywhere in San Jose is it's just concrete and it's barbed wire it's not the prettiest of um, capital cities and yeah rocked up to this place big concrete fences barbed wire and this guy rocks up to the taxi and he's he looks fierce and yeah opens the door and he's just like Mark, I'm just like, yes. And he's like, we're sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I was, yeah, wired by then, so I couldn't really sleep. So I met some other tourists and, yeah, partied with them over the next couple of days while I explored the city. 
Yeah. So that you had a bit of time to explore San Jose before the before the start of the trip. Yeah, I think I had that next day, and then the day after that, I got transferred out because yeah, the first night I landed, met some people, then went to bed, and then the next night, yeah, we had a lot of rum, and then we went out clubbing, and there's kind of like insert scenes here, kind of stuff going on there, but I made it out alive somehow. <laughs> Excellent. So tell us about the start of the trip. What what were the first few things that you you did of the actual tour? So instead of staying at the backpackers, you um, stayed the first night, which was kind of like a briefing day as well, at a Swiss hotel called the Fleur de Lis. I think I'm pronouncing that right. So I met kind of my roommate that I was going to be traveling with. His name was Costa and he worked for basically the same company group. But he, he was from Sydney and kind of around my age, which was nice. So I thought, oh yeah, there's young people on there. But then I met everyone else and everyone else was really like middle-aged to like retiree type of age range. And it was just kind of like a, wow, this might not be the trip that I thought I'd booked. But, you know, the guides were really nice, um, talked us through what we're going to be going through. And then the next day we um, busted all the way from San Jose out to the western coast um, to a little town called Dominical. And that's where the adventures began. Um, we had a bit of a swim in the ocean, a bit of lunch, and then we started trekking up through the mountains to our first night stop, which was um, a place called Bayo Vista, which is run by some Americans. How would you describe, well, first of all, how would you describe the beaches and the, the forests there in, in relation to, I guess, you know, compared to Australia or, you know, at least in terms of Western Australia? What kind of forest type did they have there? Yeah, so it was predominantly jungle, but I'll get to the beaches first because it's, it's not like Australia. We were really spoiled. And this beach, it looks nice in the photos, but it's pebbles and rocks like as the beach and then as you get out you kind of have to swim rather than like use your feet but it was, yeah like in terms of being picturesque the beaches were quite nice just yeah really rocky but yeah the main forest is jungle so it's thick it's green there's ferns lots of magic mushrooms around which we kind of got told not to touch or look at for good reason um but yep. yeah it's just muddy as well and depending on like we had a really rainy time but it does get quite hot and humid like i imagine it is for you over there in queensland it's cooling down now so that's a nice relief but yes um summer here was quite unbearable at times so yes i imagine that costa rica would be quite similar and because obviously costa rica is where the jurassic park movies are set and would you say that you felt very jurassic park in the forest you were in um Yes, but that was only because it got brought up while we were out there. The guide, Juan Carlos, it was his first trip being the, the main guide. And on the second day when we're walking through this jungly national park type stuff, he like pointed to an area and it was like jungle on one side and all around and there was like a clearing. And he's like, this is where they filmed Jurassic Park. And we're all like, oh, wow, 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 that's amazing. <laughs> like you could picture that scene where they've been like, running with the herd of whatever they were and then t-rex comes out and eats one of them and then while i was doing the write-ups for this a few years ago i was like googling where it was shot and jurassic park was not shot in costa rica <laughs> or at least those scenes <laughs> right so that's the while we're out there it was nice to imagine yeah yeah it's funny how they do that you know they'll say oh this is this place and then it's actually completely a different place uh that they've yeah. actually shot it and even though it's set in costa rica <laughs> Well, they say ignorance is bliss, and I was quite blissful thinking that that was <laughs> Jurassic Park for quite a number of years. Excellent. I guess, you know, it, it's a good story for to tell the tourists and, and get them all hmm. excited. So, 
you were saying you were walking in the mountains. What was the sort of, was there a particular destination you were aiming for, for that? Yeah, so day one was kind of like a, it was only a couple of hours of hiking and there was a few waterfalls along the way. Day two, we had like a school trip planned. So there was like a local primary school. We got to meet some of the students who were really excited to see foreigners and practice their English and everything. And then from there, we were just hiking in the jungle, had no real destination apart from this yoga retreat um, that they think um, they were allowed to stay at. There was a bit kind of, there was confusion when we got there as to if we were actually allowed to stay there or not. But in the end, they talked the uh, the owners into letting us do that. It was just like a bamboo platform in the middle of, middle of the jungle. But yeah, getting there, that's when the rain started and it was going to be our friend for quite a while. But the jungles there are just... They're just amazing. Like, I'm sure you've got the same thing over in Queensland at the moment, but it's just, like, thick and lush, and there's waterfalls everywhere. And that, that shot that you're talking about where I look quite buff, uh, yeah. And there is a bit of a story why I actually do look buff. And it was you about go two into months before. Yeah, about two months before I was, like, I scheduled to leave. I went on a cricket pre-season trip, and I didn't feel right. So I went home and then I had something wrong with my glands, which the doctors couldn't quite pinpoint down, but I couldn't swallow food for like a week. Ended up losing like, I think it was nine to 10 kilos. So I went from being like mid seventies into mid sixties. And yeah, that's why I kind of look a bit shredded <laughs> in those photos. <laughs> so I guess that's, I mean, that, that's one benefit to getting sick sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I can look back at those photos and be like, that's what it was like in my early 20s, even though it was kind of wasn't a true representation of what was going on. <laughs> oh. So this, now you said this was a yoga retreat. Did you, did you actually do some yoga while you were there? No, we did no such yoga. It was kind of like it was just a platform to sleep on. Right. Yeah, I don't think the the group was the demographic that would do yoga. So yeah, we kind of were left to our own devices. It was just a place to sleep, and that was about it. So from the yoga retreat, what was next in your in the trip? Yeah, so this was kind of like our first like country Costa Rica experience because it was like hiking through the jungle a little bit, and then we're on roads, um, some paved, some dirt, and you were going in and out of villages, um, which was quite nice to see how. Costa Rica is because the villages and the country towns and cities are so much nicer than San Jose so it was nice after being introduced to Costa Rica as San Jose to see that it is actually a really beautiful country when you get away but the end goal for that day was a place called Tina Master Cave and we were just hiking along this dirt road and then we stopped and there was a support truck waiting for us all of our gear and the guys just like we're going up that mountain there and you couldn't really see anything. You didn't know how high it was. So it was like, okay. And he's like, it'll be about an hour to two hours trekking through like mud to get up here. But it's worth it. So we're like, okay, that's that's cool. So we start hiking. And it was really, really deep mud. And kind of everyone's like, oh, I'm not really sure about this. But then we rounded a corner and there's this beautiful double waterfall. And the guide comes around and he points like underneath. He's just like, that's where we're sleeping tonight. I was just oh, like, wow. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so yeah, there's yeah. a cool shot that I've got of the double waterfall and then like um, a few of us like hiking over the river to get to the spot where you access it. But it's, yeah, it's run by an American um, group of Americans who just kind of wanted a retreat and to get away from like the Western world. So there's like white beds all in this little cave underneath these waterfalls. 
Seriously, um, yeah, ac- actual can... be- actual beds under there. Yeah, so soft That's beds amazing. that we could sleep in. There was like a little makeshift kitchen. It was actually, yeah, quite a nice area, like let alone that's where you're going to sleep. So like we got there like mid-afternoon and then for those that had energy, they're like, do you want to come for an extra trek? So we went and we found some more waterfalls and then they're like, all right, we're going to go up a bit higher. So we're hiking for about an hour and then we just reached this shack and it's misty everywhere. It's just like, you know, gorillas in the mist kind of scenes. And then this guy rocks up on his horse out of the mist and they're like, oh, yeah, that's the guy. He lives here. And like he had a couple of cattle with him. And it was just weird, like being above the clouds and then seeing this man. It was quite surreal. And so we kind of left him to his own devices because I don't think he really liked having people around. And then we went to another waterfall and there was like, who wants to jump off? And it was like a 10, 12 meter drop into the, the water below, like small pool. Yeah. I was like, eh, you know what, I'm only here once and I did it. But that was the, the only, one of the only bits of the trip that I just, for no reason that I can remember, left my camera back at the cave. Oh, no. And I really would have loved to, because I just thought we were going for like half an hour just to another waterfall, like what do I really need it for um so yeah I was kicking myself that we didn't film that it was just like I have to remember it now because it's I can't look at any photos yeah the did you um because you you filmed some video as well didn't you yeah you've there's seen a, there's this a video YouTube <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a YouTube, a YouTube video I'm, I'm an whether I'll share it or not because it is <laughs> quite a, like, it's not embarrassing but it's yeah it's not fine documentary making or video making is it is it a a hidden video or is it one that's easier easy no, enough for I someone think, to find? I think it's easy to find, but I think yeah, it's on my personal channel, which is public. So if you really wanted to find it, you'd be able to find it, but I won't give you direct access to it. I don't think. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so yeah, it's a shame we didn't get to film that because I think that that sounds pretty awesome. What you did jumping off off into the waterfall. Yeah, it was one of those like that's why I'm doing this kind of experiences. Yeah, those those sort of moments are always fantastic. So after these amazing waterfalls, you know, sleeping in a cave behind a waterfall, what was next? So the next day was kind of like a, a bit of a come down. So we hiked back down the Muddy Mountain and then it was the first mountain biking of the trip. So it was like this trip was built as hiking, mountain biking and whitewater rafting. So it was a bit of a mix and we finally got on the bikes and it was just like up and down hills and valleys on roads um, wasn't really like true mountain biking like we would get here on the Mundabidi but it was still cool yeah had lunch at a there's lots of little lunch spots that are just kind of like slammed on the side of a hill on like a really treacherous road so they've all got like really good views but yeah they're just kind of hard to get to with like so many hills and then from there we kind of finished at this like family camp and the rain had set in again by then so we'd set up our tents and then they were kind of worried that the river would rise and take it all away and eventually we're not sure if that actually would have happened but we had to pack everything up and we end up sleeping on the floor of this like outdoor bar so like there was still people drinking when we went to sleep at like eight oh, really? but yeah uh... like it wasn't super popular but it was just a weird experience to like clear some tables away and yeah, that's... sleep so was this like a, a commercial a commercial bar that you were sleeping in as using as accommodation yeah i'm trying to like compare it to something in wa but it was like lane pool reserve if there was like commercial rafting and canoeing there that you could just go on higher i guess it'd more be like carry lake resort 
if they had an outdoor okay. bar area. Yeah. So you're staying right. like where families camp and like that's their weekend spot. But it was this, yeah, this outdoor bar restaurant bit. Like it was not what I was expecting when I signed up, but you know, that's what happens um, when yeah. things don't go right. I guess it's one of those things that it's, it's kind of of not right, but then it's also kind of a funny thing be sleeping in a bar it's pro- probably more annoying at the time if people are still drinking when you're trying to sleep but um something that's funny in hindsight yeah i didn't mind i kind of felt bad because like we were interrupting like their experience like it wasn't right. their fault that we couldn't go and camp somewhere it was yeah so after that what was your next bit of the adventure yeah so from here on out they'd kind of like warned us that this was going to be like the hard section of the trek so expect like 10 to 14 hour days and like thick jungle and everything so we biked out of the camp for about an hour kind of on dirt roads and everything and stopped up and put the bikes away and started the real jungle trekking um, which was actually quite cool because like we'd done a little bit of jungle trekking, but it was never really more than a, for a few hours before we either stopped or were at our destination. So it was nice to like really get out there and like really get stuck into it because this is what I'd been training for. So yeah, it was nice, nice to have that kind of open experience. And then the jungle just kept getting like better and better. So when you say like ten to fourteen hour days, was that you know because sometimes with trekking you know we with the bilberman track that would be a really long in terms of kilometers but it might, but in terms of time it wouldn't you know 20ks wouldn't be 10 hours so what what kind of, of sort of kilometers do you reckon you were doing yeah honestly would have no idea about the kilometers but it just the group i was with were not particularly fit and i mean we would have been walking like three to four k's an hour i would have said so this day would have been yeah 20 to 30 k's and to start with it was kind of a bit flat but then it really got hilly and muddy um i'm just looking through the photos now and it's just like it was the, it's the coffee growing region so it's quite hilly to start with like costa rica is just it's mountainous it's just hills or valley like there's not a whole lot of flat so kind of imagine that when yeah you're thinking about kind of, kind of the terrain and yeah looking down over the valleys was just amazing because this is all coffee trees and now like i have a coffee tree i can kind of imagine like a whole field of them again <laughs> did did you buy that as a tribute to your time in costa rica it did actually like i was never a, a coffee drinker before i went to costa rica and i was having three four five cups a day while i was over there it was like because i'd only ever tried ground coffee before all right and it just like it yeah it, everyone who drinks coffee knows and everyone who drinks not ground coffee <laughs> will know like it's not a like a ter- like a great substitute like it's all right it kind of tastes like coffee but it's not really the same and this is like fresh like from the plantation coffee that i was having and i just got hooked on it so yeah having my own coffee tree was kind of a tribute to that um, and whenever i can i try and buy costa rican coffee because that tastes like it takes me back to like being in the jungle at night or in the morning and like having you know those cups of coffee i guess that's that whole um you know sense of terroir that comes with you know the the taste of the place that comes with with where where food is grown and that's kind of cool that you can drink a cup of coffee and and it remind you of a place that you've been yeah and i mean i wouldn't say that i have like the best taste buds in terms of uh sophistication but i can if 
I'm drinking Costa Rican coffee, I can tell it's from that region, and like I get you know, like memories flooding back, and yeah, that's it's quite awesome, a good man. thing to like just be sitting at home. And then you just reminded of like this epic adventure you'd been on when you're in your twenties. Yeah, that's great. So now you you know with with ten to fourteen nowadays, and you're you're saying December it was December, wasn't it? Around the end of the year. I was yeah November when I was doing November. So was that like starting in darkness, finishing in darkness, or how was that? So the this morning because we we're starting at the camp, we started at sunrise. So I think it's like pretty much six till six is being near the equator is like the sunshine hours and it's not like here where we're near the ocean and you get the light lingering on this is it's dark then there's a little transition period then it's light so this day we actually finished um in the dark pretty much like it was just sunset as we were rocking up to a town called los angeles um which i was staying at after we'd finished like the american version so it was <laughs> right. quite funny to see a sign that said los angeles and you know it's a coffee town how how would this Los Angeles compare with the American one? Um, it was a lot less polluted. Um, <laughs> the public transport was easier to get around on. Um, but yeah, there's really no no comparison. <laughs> it was like a little rural back town that, you know, people worked and had their lives and, you know, coffee was the main industry there. Excellent. But yeah, this, this day of trekking was actually really cool. Like I was up um, front with some of the guides for most of the day because, you know, I was trying to hike my own hike keep up with the guides who were like mountain goats had lived in Costa Rica their whole lives so it was fun going up and down there's some really weird pictures I'm looking at now of like the vertical muddy slopes we had to go up like literally grabbing onto like anchor points like tree roots or like just rocks to try and lift ourselves up so yeah, it was pretty extreme but at the same time like we had to wait for everyone so it wasn't like we were going at a super pace for most of the day I guess that that gives you time to sort of stop and smell the roses while you're waiting for other people. Yeah, we had a couple of Americans who weren't my cup of tea. So, yeah, this was kind of the start of the end for them in terms of, yeah, their enjoyment for the tour. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I understand your next day was the longest day of trekking on on the trip? Los Angeles, we stayed at like a town hall, basically. It was just a you know a wooden hall slept on the floor and they're like we need to be up super early so i think we're up at like four o'clock packed everything away got our little trail mixes ready for the day and we were head torch on for the first couple of hours maybe and this was a 14 hour day through the jungle up and down mountains it was really misty rainy um, muddy like you name it we got it and by the end like towards the end of the day like i was still like raring to go and yeah let's continue on but there was a whole lot of people that that kind of like i need to stop and rest and like there was a little bit of frustration but at the same time like i was with these people for the next week and a bit so i didn't really want to like be that jerk up the front like you know yelling at everyone for not going too quick (laughs) so that's kind of like added to why it was such a long day but the end of the day was amazing because it was like the family stay night where we got into this town providencia and we were each allocated like two of us were all paired off and we got allocated a family and me and costa the the other young guy we got a single he wasn't a single guy his wife had gone off somewhere and wasn't there so he didn't normally do the domestic duties or the cooking so we're kind of like at his house he didn't speak english we didn't speak spanish it was just a weird situation and then he's just like come on let's go (laughs) 
load us up into like the back tray of his like 70s like land cruiser and we went off and stayed with someone else well went and had dinner with someone else and there was another another couple of groups from our trip there as well so it wasn't as awkward as it could have been (laughs) but it was like he was trying to show us around his house and like you know be really proud but like it was just that language barrier like yeah. we were trying to speak like broken spanglish and yeah it was just hilarious like <laughs> looking back at it now so but in spite of the language barrier was it an enjoyable homestay yeah like it was nice to sleep in a bed for once after like a few nights sleeping on uh yeah like hard wooden floors and the bars and whatnot um but yeah meal was great because you know cooking in costa rica is like it's very homely like lots of tomatoey dishes and stews and meats and everything it was quite nice and yeah especially after 14 days hiking i think everyone was just happy with whatever was going on so after providencia what was next on the on the itinerary they'd kind of slated this day as being really tough as well and it kind of it was to start with like we i'm not sure how high providencia was above sea level but the peak for the day was at 3100 meters and it was two or three hours of solid like uphill walking and trudging along like it wasn't tough but it was just always vertical and i was just like oh there must be some amazing views from up here like 3100 meters that's you know way taller than anything in australia yep and we get to the summit and I'm not joking, it was a truck stop. Like, <laughs> Seriously? And it was one that we'd already visited as well. Yeah, like we'd <laughs> passed, this was the Pan America Highway and we'd passed this place on the journey out to Dominicao. So like, I was a little bit disappointed because I was expecting some kind of view and it was just this like, you know, commercial, like run-of-the-mill truck stop where we had lunch and there was just like lots of cars and trucks everywhere else. Yeah deflated is probably the <laughs> word for it <laughs> maybe there are some people who when seeing it they just uh they you know they love truck stops so much they're like oh man twice i'm so glad i saw this place twice well yeah and it's kind of like a culture like all the bars like there's lots of bars around the place and like everything because it's so hilly is like stuck on the side of roads which are cut into the mountains right so everywhere is kind of like a truck stop to them yeah, not what I was expecting, um, but thankfully we weren't staying there. We got back on the bikes and had some adventures on the roads, dealing with all the trucks and the cars. Because, um, yeah, the highways over there are like two lanes and that's it. And they're like landslides everywhere, especially the weather that we we're experiencing. And I'm going to butcher this name, but it was the Suenos del Bosque Lodge, which was like built as like a bird watching nature reserve kind of lodge. And that was really cool because like it was a little bit of luxury and we could hang out and, you know, have a wine and with dinner and kind of it was the last of the like the big days that day. So it was quite enjoyable. And yeah, it was just funny when we got to like our little cabin to stay at. It wasn't very um, big, but one of the beds had bananas in pajamas sheet set. Oh, really? And I just like it. We were so confused. It was like I'm pretty sure bananas in pajamas is only like Australian, or maybe that's what like, I thought. Yeah, exported out to America. Yeah, but it was just like being in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica, and there is like B1 and B2 just like all over your bed and yeah i did not get that bed because <laughs> got that bed he saw that and he got quite excited <laughs> a bit a bit of a nice taste of home i guess yeah it was a good reminder and yeah like that's globalization for you yeah, not even yeah. sure how they would have got a hold of those 
So, I mean, interesting that, you know, a nice sort of luxury lodge would have such a, a thing as that. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of cool. Your next day, where did that find you? So that was more biking, and then we kind of... We came to Tapanti National Park, which was, like, again, proper jungle. And by this stage, I'd kind of, like... The, there was a couple of Americans who were, like, whinging quite a lot, and they wanted to pull out, and they were really sore. And there was an Australian couple, and the wife was... She had a meltdown the night before because it was really tough, and she wasn't enjoying it, and she wanted to go home. So I was kind of, like, not sick of the group by then, but I was like, I kind of need my own space. Mm. So I went off on my own for a little bit. What do you mean by off on, like, still on the tour, but... Yeah, on. so still on the tour, but... And we had a destination to go to, and the guides, like, pretty much let me go. Like, it's, it was a bit weird at the time, but it was me and um, another English guy who was a bit older. We were just like, we just want to go, and they're just like, yeah, cool, just follow this trail, which in the end was actually the only trail you could go on. So it's not like we're going to get lost, but we were about 45 minutes ahead of the group at this stage. And we came across this cool, like, Indiana Jones, like, moss-covered swing bridge over this river. It was really cool. And we were just like, well, we'd better wait here for everyone because we weren't entirely sure we were on the right track. And then we're waiting and waiting and waiting um, in the rain as well. And then all of a sudden, everyone came off, like, around the corner. And, like, we rejoiced that we had not lost everyone and we're in the middle of the, the jungle. And then, yeah, I got let off again this time actually on my own the guys just like just follow this road cross the river and you'll be fine so i got to this river and it was like knee deep wading through these like pebbly rock type things i wasn't sure if i was in the right area and then i came across a gate which there was a group of locals there and they were just closing it so i thought oh shit like they'd let me through and then they closed it and i was like oh not really in the right spot but then I came across the support truck and let out a big sigh of relief yeah, again. It's kind of like <laughs> the opposite of what you want to do on a tour is like go off and do your own thing. But I think by then the guides had realized that I was itching to kind of, you know, go on my own pace and see something without having to constantly wait for everyone. Yeah, I think that's one of the hard things with tours, isn't it? Like, you know, it, you want to be you know flexible enough to kind of bend to the will of the group. But then there's also just times where you kind of really want to do what you want to do. Yeah, it's like a compromise. And I think these days I wouldn't have such a big problem, but back then I was a bit younger and a bit kind of less patient than I am now. But yeah, I understand, like, it's... You can't really expect to go on one of those things and to go at your own pace and everyone to be at your level. I think um, it makes me think of... We had that a sim similar kind of issue when we were in Vietnam of, of this guy who just was getting up really late and it just made everyone else late. And it's, I guess, mm. it, it just is one of those frustrating things where I think other people in the group were also frustrated that we were being delayed by one person. So I guess, you know, I can kind of see what you're saying in terms of, you know, wanting, wanting to keep going and, and having to, to deal with other people who maybe are not going as fast and, you know, not, not, not getting, you know, not, not letting you hike your own hike in a sense mm. and you, again you don't want to be that person that's the jerk and like yelling at everyone to go quicker or like having to point out that you know they're getting up late and ruining it for everyone yeah like you want to still have a, a cordial relationship with people so yeah once everyone arrived it was like an hour later when um the group caught up and i was just sleeping in the back of the truck <laughs> Um, and it was like everyone was just really grumpy at that stage and I did not understand why like that was such a nice piece of jungle and like you'd had all these cool experiences of the bridge and the rivers and like just being out in the wild and 
so the next bit was just biking into town so i was like you know weaving in and out of puddles and doing all this and everyone was just like wanting to go to sleep <laughs> so i arrived in a town called Arosi, and everyone settled down a few of us went out for a drink at the local bar but yeah a lot of people just wanted just to relax and stay at the motel we're at it was yeah i think by then i'd realized like i could go off and do my own thing and enjoy it on my own rather than having to like always be around the group and get like have that as my experience so it's kind of like a turning point day where i was enjoying the trek for what it was and like what i wanted to get out of it so after this day which was as you say a bit of a turning point for you i understand the next bit of your adventure was a bit more bike oriented is that right yeah so we'd done like the hard yards in the jungle through the mud and everything and yeah the next day was a full day of biking which i actually enjoyed quite a lot because you know i did enjoy my mountain biking when i was young and like getting out there and this was yeah i mean the bikes weren't fantastic but they were still all right but yeah full day of biking in the rain um on dirt roads that were all muddy and lots of puddles so i was having good fun because it's kind of you're on your bike that's your own thing and you can kind of get ahead of people and then slow down and still have fun so it wasn't as bad as like waiting for people like climbing up and down hills that should only take like a couple of seconds <laughs> couple and this of was seconds. like well you know like you the people that take ages to like hoist themselves down from rocks or rock rocks and like i don't know i guess i'm still impatient as a hiker but, <laughs> like you know what i'm saying yeah I, I know what you're saying i know i know what you mean just when you said seconds yeah. it was kind of funny <laughs> Yeah, so this was kind of through sugarcane and coffee territory again. And we actually got to see where the coffee factories were processing everything. So it was kind of like an industrial feel, which added to like the gloominess of the day because it was just rain, rain, rain. But I actually enjoyed it. And I actually, I know it's weird to think like I have vivid memories of this one spot and I've had it in dreams before. And there's nothing particularly interesting about this area. But yeah, like I've had a few dreams where I'm riding this stretch of road which is all sugar canes and coffee plants either side i'm not sure how to describe it but it's just maybe that's my way of remembering it but yeah in my notes i've got like it was two lodge and i can't remember the name of the lodge and the trip notes that they gave us differ quite badly after like a couple of days previous to this one so I have no idea where we were and I was trying to go on Google Maps trying to find all these places and I've roughly got where I was but yeah this place no idea. So when you say that it was quite different was that because they had to change the itinerary due to weather or was it just they got it wrong or? Part A part B I think they try and the spiel we got was like not every tour is the same so they try and like they stick to a rough like area where they're trying to go but they'll mix up the experiences so you can go on this tour again and not have like everywhere be the same oh so, cool that's kind of that's kind of interesting yeah so it was a bit of column a and a bit of like the weather really got to us and the next day we actually had to stay at the same lodge because they had a kind of like they knew what was going up ahead and because of the rain all the rivers were about to burst their banks so we're coming up to the whitewater rafting part of the trip they had to really double think that what was going to happen because obviously the group wasn't particularly fit or able to do like the higher class whitewater rafting that um it eventually would be um so yeah i mean the next day was all right we went for another bike ride it actually backtrack on the roads we'd already been on but then did a little bit of whitewater rafting because i think they figured this was the only time we could get some in and that was billed as like one of the big experiences of the trip is this rafting 
So we did a really small section, it was maybe like an hour or two of rafting. And even on this, like what was meant to be a gentle river was like lots of rapids, it was really quick. Then we capsized two or three times. I ended up floating down the river for a few like minutes at a time because I was terrible at <laughs> <laughs> my balance back then. Like I was trying to like paddle and like get in tune with everyone, but I just like as soon as we hit like a big bump, I don't know, well, maybe it's because I'm like gangly, but I just kind of like <laughs> flew up and then I was out of the boat and yeah. Did you say your balance, your balance wasn't good? No, not back then. Really? Yeah, this is wow. a different me, yeah. Mm, very, very different, Mark, because um, you're probably one of the most uh, sure-footed people I know. But I guess much changes in 10 years. Yeah, like I wouldn't compare myself to a giraffe, but yeah, like in terms of <laughs> like hiking balance and when I've got a pack on, it definitely wasn't then. So after the whitewater rafting, what was next? Yeah, so we had a bit of a, a lazy afternoon back at the lodge and then the next day, um, in my notes I've gone, really can't remember much about this day. All I know from the, I think I only took about eight photos this whole day and I think it was because it was such heavy rain and we were just trekking. Like I, I really cannot remember much about this day. Um, <laughs> I just remember rocking up to the village we were staying at and everyone was just like ridiculously grumpy and... Like the rain was starting to get to everyone and it wasn't just like light rain the whole day. It's like patches of heavy rain and then it goes back to light rain and then it's more heavy rain and you're constantly like wondering what's going on and like when's this going to end. So in terms of that day there, yeah, like it was just, it wasn't difficult in terms of the physicality of it. It was just more of a mental um, day to get through. And then we stayed yeah. at another lodge. So I'm sorry, not another lodge, another hall where we had to stay on the floor and I think this is when they realized that everything from here on out was definitely not going to happen. So we had to kind of ah, make, right. make some plans, yeah, to kind of fill in the remaining days with activities. I think this was when we were meant to be starting whitewater rafting this next day. And yeah, that did not happen. So it was a little bit disappointing. Was this unusual weather for the time of year? Yeah, so I think it's like October or September through to January, February, they said was like the peak time to do this trek because of the weather. So it was it was freak like rainstorms. And I think well, from what I'd heard while we were there, we got maybe one and a half meters of rain in a couple of days um, during one stretch. <laughs> wow. Like it was ridiculous. And wow. the, the next coming days were even worse. Yeah, so it was freak, and there's nothing they could really do about it, and it is, as they say, an act of God. Um, so you can't get too angry at, like, the whole thing not being as it was described. So it's just a matter yeah. of, like, them changing things on the fly. And the next day actually was one of the most fun days I had because, yeah, before doing this podcast, I'd kind of forgotten about this day, and I was looking back at the photos, and I was like, oh, I didn't take any photos. And then I remember why is because we were on the bikes the whole day. And, like, you imagine when it rains a little bit in Perth and, like, the roads turn into, like, rivers, but then imagine that on the sides of mountains and there's, like, like we're on the Stirling Ridgewalk when it rains and then all of a sudden these waterfalls pop up everywhere. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. When you said that, it made me think of when we were we were stuck on there and, and the weather was terrible, but it was amazing as well. Yeah, so this one, like the trails were a little bit wider being roads, but they were like rivers and you'd get to 
like the contour lines where it would be a curve that's where the waterfalls and the rivers would go straight down and it was i don't know maybe like just under knee deep probably like shin deep for most of the roads so like yeah me being a big kid on the bike in those conditions that was the most fun day i had out there probably and i think i was the only one apart from the guides that was enjoying what was going on (laughs) because one carlos the main guide he um did competitive mountain biking um just like national kind of stuff like cross-country stuff so he was really enjoying it too but yeah the others who weren't quite as competent on the bikes um maybe weren't enjoying it as much so yeah and then that day we actually finished at the rio Pacuare camp which was owned by the tour company the coast to coast and this was like an amazing place to like have say that this is your own camp um it was like a two-story tree house I want to say like hexagonal in shape and the bottom layer was like kitchens and um, dining areas and everything and then a stairs up to the top platform which was just hammocks everywhere and tables and like a spot to chill out in the jungle and when we got there we're like they're like cool here's some tent pads by the river and they would have been normally 30 to 40 meters away maybe like oh, maybe like 50 50 meters away from the edge of the river so we set our tents up and then I realized there was ants on my tent pad. So my bag was all covered in ants. So I went to wash all that out. And then eventually they're like, yep, sorry, we're going to have to like move up to the treehouse for dinner and everything. It was ridiculous, the rain from then on out. There was this heavy, heavy, heavy rain. And this is the days where we had one and a half meters of rain. And the river swelled up so much that those tent pads were gone by the morning. So had we have stayed in them, we probably would have been killed because we've just been washed washed away downstream. And wow. you could hear the rocks and the logs and everything tumbling underwater, even though they were, you know, 50 metres away and we were up on the second storey with a tin roof and the rain bucketing down on there. That's how ferocious it would have been. It was just like, yeah, a scene out of Noah's Ark or something, the amount of rain that we had. But you got to stay in a treehouse, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that was actually very cool. Um, sleeping in, I think I slept in a hammock. I can't really remember. But yeah, drinking lots of coffee, listening to the rain. That's probably why I enjoy it so much now. <laughs> like whenever it rains, I'm like, <laughs> yep, cool, coffee. I'll go sit in the garden. But yeah, it was ridiculous. And then it kind of fined up the next day and they had outdoor showers. And I was having a shower in the morning and I just heard this like crack. And I looked up and the showers where you were were facing the side of the mountain and there was just this tree just fell straight off the side of the mountain. Like luckily nowhere near where we were. But I was like, wow, mm. that's actually really dangerous out here. And we couldn't yeah. get the vehicles in um, like close to the camp the next day because there were so many trees that they had to cut down that had you know gone over. And then, yeah, we kind of got told this is the end of the line for us and then walked a little bit and then biked to a nearby hotel where the owner of the company had flown down because he'd heard what was happening and he met us in person which was really cool to apologize and you know explain what was going on and everyone was like completely fine with it because it's like what do you really expect the guides to do in this like take us out on these rivers that have burst their banks um but yeah he was really cool about it so he chowed us all like i mean we're paying they were paying for dinner anyway but he paid for a nice dinner and some wine and everything at this hotel that's really nice yeah you know that that, to get that kind of you didn't have to do that you could just be like oh no it's it's an act of god these kind of things but then to actually come down and 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 actually say 
look, I'm sorry, this is how it's gone, but you know, this is a freak weather event. That's that's a really cool thing. Yeah, I think yeah, because he, he'd heard that the camp was maybe in trouble as well, so he was in the area to check on that. Um, but yeah, it was a nice. I think he was Canadian or American, but he was just yeah, really chilled about it and like understood that it wasn't great for us. But yeah, as I said, we didn't really mind because you know, <laughs> what are you gonna do about the rain? But then, yeah, so exactly. to, yeah, to kind of like finish the tour, we still had to get to the end point. So they decided the next day would just be like, we'll just cycle to the end, even though we had a couple of days left, I think, on the tour. So it was about 60 k's of riding on these highways. Wasn't ideal because it was like a war zone out there because everyone in this li- uh, low-lying area that kind of flattened out a bit after a while. They'd brought all their possessions and everything because the whole place was underwater apart from the, like, raised highway. And it was, yeah, like, refugees everywhere, people forced out of their homes. And then about halfway to our destination, one of the ladies got... She wasn't great on the bike, and you literally had your little, like, tiny bike lane on the side of the road before it then went down towards the um, the flooded bits... And she got a bit wobbly and she got sideswiped by a truck. Like the, I think it was the side mirror hit her leg or her arm or something. And then we, we held up traffic for so long because we were trying to argue with the truck driver. Like, you know, you were too far over. You'd hit this woman and she was on the side of the road. And then an ambulance came and got her. But she would end up being fine, just a couple of scrapes. Yeah, it was kind of like a weird, surreal kind of finish to the trip. Um, but then as we like ended we ended at a beach in this port town called Le Mans and I kind of just like jumped in the ocean like it's you know finally over I made it and had a bit of a celebration even though it was like gray skies and gloomy and yeah I mean it wasn't the best way to finish what was like built up to be like this was an epic way to finish with whitewater rafting and everything but we got there and we finished and I think we're all fairly friendly by the end I think we'd gotten over the the middle trek grumps yeah I guess sometimes disaster brings people together. Yeah, like we were in it together as a group. Not much we could do. And I think the people that were whinging a little bit that it was too hard got a bit of a break from that as well, even though we had 60Ks on these mountain bikes to ride. So does that mean that the trip had to end a bit when you had a bit of a longer itinerary? Yeah, so I think there was... I think I actually finished on the day it was meant to um, because we'd stayed at that lodge again that same night and that that kind of evened out why we had to cut short a day. So I think because I had um, the backpackers booked after getting back. So, yeah, I think it, it finished as we were meant to, just we didn't get to do as much as we wanted in those last few days. So that that was the end of your of your trip to Costa Rica and you went to L.A. to the other Los Angeles, I should say, at the end of that. Yeah, that went and correct? visited the big, the big LA. Yeah, so I did like the touristy and stuff. Did you party with your with your homie Snoop Dogg? No, I didn't see Snoop Dogg. Um, I actually did, but he was a wax model in Madame Tussauds. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, did the touristy stuff. I actually stayed right in the middle of Hollywood, which is not as you would expect it to be. Like Hollywood itself is like tourist stops. Oh, sorry, tourist shops and like just buildings like there's nothing really there um there's a few shops that are like upmarket, but that's about it um but yeah i went to a a lakers game sitting in the nosebleeds watch kobe 
um, beat the Raptors, I think it was. So that was cool. Um, went out to Santa Monica Beach, but it was like 18 degrees and like cloudy every single day I was there. And I made the mistake of not hiring a car. So if you ever go to LA, hire a car because the public transport is like just ridiculously terrible. And yeah, that was that was my trip. I kind of like it was Thanksgiving while I was there, so we had a lot of Marines staying at the backpackers, which is kind of cool. And the drinks were really cheap, so I had a couple of yeah fun nights with some Marines, but not in the the way that you would think. <laughs> <laughs> so all in all, your your Costa Rica and on either sides a bit of extra holiday was a pretty good trip. I suppose you'd call it life-changing like it cemented like my world view of like I had a bit more confidence after the trip realized that that's one of what I wanted to do a bit more with life and then like being out in nature and the physicality of it that's what I enjoyed so even though it was a while after I got back from Costa Rica that I then started hiking a bit more it was kind of like that introduction kind of like piqued my my interest in yeah being out in nature a bit more. Certainly, you know, as you say, it introduced you to the Bibbulmun and got you out in, and doing quite a, an epic trekking holiday. It's the perfect kind of origin story for a hiking superhero, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you add a few explosions into that story and it could be a, a passable movie. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who would you get to yeah, play so me? I don't know. I don't know who I'd get to play Mark Pybus. Um, especially like a young I mean I, I think that you would be looking for someone a bit like a Tom Holland kind of character is what I'm thinking you know like someone who's who's young not not like uh, not like you your not, not someone your age playing a 20 year old like they did in the old Spider-Man movies mm. yeah, I don't know do you have any ideas um, I know what my girlfriend would say she would uh, it's not really relevant now because he's a bit old but he would say David Swimmer or she would say David Swimmer whenever we're watching Friends she's like it's you it's you yeah <laughs> I, you, yeah I think he'd probably be a, he'd be just a bit too old to play a young Mark Pybus but um, I, I see the, I see what she's saying though I know we'll deal with that when uh, Marvel go to cast yep exactly mm. Well, thank you, Mark, for sharing with us your adventure on Costa Rica. Now, is this an expedition that can still be done today? I think so. Yes, you can, because I was in Walpole a couple of Christmases ago, and I looked down at the newsagents, and I just noticed a national Australian National Geographic magazine, and it was trekking in Costa Rica. So I thought, oh, yeah, look at that. Open up the magazine, and there is Juan Carlos, the lead guide, still at it 10 years later or 9 years later. So, yeah, this trip is very much still available, and... If you go over and do it and see Juan Carlos, you can say that uh, The Life of Pi recommended this and he'll give you the blankest look you'll ever see because he has no <laughs> idea who I am. <laughs> and, and hopefully, you, you know, any trail, any, anyone doing this trip will have better weather than you. Yeah, hopefully. I know the guy who did it for National Geographic had like ridiculously hot weather, so I'm not sure which I would prefer. I think I'd probably still go with the rain. Have a, a yeah, lifelong love of the rain now. <laughs> Excellent. So thanks to the three people that are still left listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. This will actually be the last podcast we're doing with Donovan in Queensland. So hopefully we're back to normal service uh, next episode. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening. And um, yeah, we'll see you when I'm back in Perth. <laughs>